Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hi, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Helly, and welcome to Growth in Progress, the podcast where we have open and honest conversations about things that aren't usually discussed, but they can help us all to grow. In each episode, we spend some time catching up, and then we share something we've loved recently. Then we go on to talk about a topic that we think is really important and relevant to everything that's going on right now. They're big topics, and they're often the sort of things that a lot of people are probably thinking about but aren't actually having the conversation about. So we want to open up that conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening on, and also leave us a five-star review. Before we get started this week, we wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded prior to Russia invading Ukraine. Our thoughts are with all Ukrainian people, both in Ukraine and around the world right now, and anyone whose loved ones are currently in Ukraine. We've left links in the show notes to organisations that are working hard to support the people of Ukraine at this time, in case you also wanted to support. So how are you doing, my love? I am good, just in the process of packing up my life to leave the UK, which is kind of terrifying. Um, But we are leaving tomorrow, as we are recording, we are leaving, well, we're leaving Nottingham tomorrow and then we leave the UK on Thursday. So, yeah, I can't believe it's finally come around. Slightly uh, stressful, but it'll be good, I'm sure. <laughs> I feel like it's come around really quickly. And back in like December when I saw you at Christmas, we're like, I was like, I'll definitely see you before you leave. And now we're here yeah. and I'm like, oh. I know. It's and at the same time, January felt like the longest month ever. But yeah, yeah. I also feel... I feel as if I've blinked and missed like the time between Christmas and now. So mm-hmm. I don't know what's gone on there. But um yeah. So when this episode goes live, where will you be? In Germany. Nice. Where will I be? Frankfurt, I believe I will be. So yeah, the next time we record, it will be from me in Germany, which is which is so to think about. Mad. So mm-hmm. mad. Yeah, I'm really, I'm so excited for you guys though. Like, I feel like you're gonna have the best adventure. I'm excited, but the whole like having everything that you need for the borders and COVID and stuff is so stressful. Trying to coordinate that and driving as well. Like today, I have to go and fit some all-weather tires on the car. What a horrible adult job. Well, I didn't know all weather tires were a thing until you told me. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I just didn't know Europe was so strict strict with all their like, driving regulations. And you have to have all weather or winter tires on in a lot of countries during the winter months, which I mean, is a good thing for safety. But yeah, it's mad. But anyway, what have you been up to? How are you doing? I'm okay, thank you. My life is not as exciting as that. Like, there's just not, I'm not moving countries. I'm not going on a giant road trip. <laughs> um, I have booked another trip, though, which is, is very exciting. exciting. For the spring, south of France with a friend, I'm very 
excited and I don't know the last couple of weeks has just felt a bit more normal like booking travel again and having stuff in the Mm. diary and all of that and it's been really I mean I feel like I need to go back and listen to our episode about like taking orders at your own pace because god knows there's a lot going on that stresses me out but it's quite nice to look forward to stuff like that again yeah it is it does make such a big difference and that will be so nice at having that to look forward to with the warmer weather and I know I know I'm really excited and I've never been to the south of France I've been to I've only been to Paris I think oh and I went on a school trip to Saint-Omer where is that oh it's like near a port I just I just remember I went into a shopping center and I smashed some like figurine like I knocked this is so me but like I knocked it off the shelf and I was so embarrassed and like I panicked and I my French is no better now than it was like oh my god however many years like 15 years ago um and I smashed this bloody giraffe figurine um and so I was like I can't even remember what I said to the woman at the till but I like she obviously didn't give a fuck because she was just like whatever but I bought it like she didn't ask me to I just paid for it and I thought I was saying I'm sorry but I was actually like saying it's sunny or something like that um and I got home and I remember my parents went why have you bought home like a broken figurine (laughs) and they just thought like oh my god she's an absolute liability um so yeah other than that and a trip to Paris I've never been anywhere else in France so I'm hoping that um I'm hoping that I don't break anything like things in the south of France probably a bit more expensive than like a figurine gift shop thing in near the port of um, Calais but you know (laughs) fine the weather will be good you just stay outside if you have to yeah. go to a shop just stay outside <laughs> stay outside and don't fall over is all I need to do um which is probably quite easy for most people for me it's quite difficult but hey um but no, I'm looking forward to that and also just like thinking ahead to the rest of the year I want to come visit you guys and yeah. do lots of fun stuff like that so I feel like we're getting there we've got what a month until daylight saving starts um mm-hmm. it's giving End me March, hope. yeah giving oh, me hope Mm-hmm. yeah I can already tell the difference like getting up this morning to record what it's light it's actually like, light yeah it's not like proper proper daylight but it's 6 30 it isn't dark and I would take yeah. that I would take yeah. that any day mm-hmm. absolutely so do you want to share your recommendation for this week yes so this week I have a product to share um and I don't know if I've ever recommended a beauty product on the podcast before maybe once or twice but it's the Charlotte Tilbury Hollywood Flawless Filter um and I'm particularly excited to tell you about this because it is like your dream makeup product um it's not new it's like it's one of it's probably one of their most famous products actually but it's something that I've kind of thought oh yeah I'll give that a go at some point and then when we went to Paris um I went into Sephora because obviously you can't not go into a Sephora and they have the best travel like mini section so they had a mini version of it and I thought well actually I'm gonna get that because I hate committing to like huge bottles of stuff I don't know if I'm gonna like it because then you're just like a it's expensive but then you've like got all this product you don't even do this I thought right I'll try this oh my god I'm obsessed with it like you kind of use it as a primer or you can mix it in with your base um I sometimes just like put it on as my base and I put a bit of concealer over the top there's loads of different ways you can use it but the glow it gives your skin like it isn't a glittery 
shimmery glow and it isn't like an oily glow it just really does make you look like I don't know you've slept for 12 hours but you've also drunk enough water and and you've got the best skincare um and it comes in a really wide range of shades I think it comes in 10 or 11 shades now so you can kind of match it to your skin tone but it's only slightly tinted so like you can kind of there's quite a lot of flexibility in it I'm obsessed with it and I just feel like it is right up your street I do love those kind of products. Those ones that give you like the nice glowing sheen, but don't actually look like you're wearing makeup. That's like my yeah, dream product. <laughs> exactly that. Like it blends into the skin really nicely. I use a, a brush with it to really work it in. A little bit goes a really long way. You could definitely like, if you wanted a really natural highlight, you could use it for that as well. Um, But it just like, it makes your skin look how you want your skin to look. If that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Um, and it doesn't leave your skin looking oily or greasy or like a glitter ball. Because I know some of these products I've used in the past where like I put it on, I'm like, oh, I look really like glowy. And then I look in the mirror later and I'm like, no, no, I look like a Christmas tree decoration. Um, this really isn't that vibe. It's just a really, it like really plump and juicy and just beautiful. Um, they do actually sell the mini on, I think on their website and maybe on Cult Beauty as well. So if you do want to try it out, um it's kind of what doing or like now we can go back to beauty counters just go have a chat with the makeup artist on the counter see if you can get a bit of a sample to take home and try um which is my favorite way if you're buying particularly like foundation or like concealer or primer or something and it's pricey just ask them for a sample honestly Mm -hmm. you taught me that um Mm -hmm. and most like most of them like people don't really offer it but most of them will like oblige especially now because you can't especially if you're wearing a mask it's really hard to judge whether something's the right color or not yeah um and you can actually try it at home um, with your own products for a couple of days work if you like it before you drop a silly amount of money I mean it's not a silly amount of money but like it's a significant amount you know um but yeah, I just, as soon as I used this, I was like, Helly is going to love this product. <laughs> do they have Sephora in Germany? Yes, they do. Okay. Maybe I'll see if I can pick one up. What is your recommendation? So my recommendation this week is another book and it's Convenience Store Woman by Sayaka Murata. And it is definitely a very different book. Probably one of the most like unique books that I've ever read um it is really short and it was tradition it traditionally it was originally written in Japanese and it's been translated into well English and into a lot of other languages it's won a lot of awards it's become very highly acclaimed and it's only 170 pages long so it is really short um and the writing's really big as well um and it (laughs) it follows Kiko who works a convenience store in Japan and like I should caveat with I love Japan and I love the convenience store culture that they have it's not like the stores we have here they are just it's like walking into another world the the food that they have is amazing for such cheap prices it's so clean it's so friendly everything that they have in there is just mind-blowing and then all of the tech to make things even more convenient for you is just I love it. The convenience store is a whole culture in Japan, but the main character of the book is 36 years old and she's very happy working part-time in this convenience store. She's been doing it for like, since she basically like turned 18 and um, 
what the book looks at is the gender stereotypes and like those societal expectations that are very prevalent in Japan, but they are are also prevalent everywhere else. um, That basically means she's being shunned by her family, by her friends, because she's unmarried and working part-time in a store. And people keep asking her like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? When are you going to quit your job and become a stay-at-home mom? All of those kind of very gender stereotyped questions. Mm. And the, I mean, the bottom line of the book is that the job makes Kiko happy, but it looks at the pressure that society puts on women to behave a certain way and at a certain age. Um, but it's also really funny. Like the humor in it is really offbeat, like almost sarcastic. And I think there's an element of like translation humor as well. Like the, the way it's been translated and the sentences, it's very offbeat and quirky. And it absolutely will not be up everyone's street. But as something a bit different and very like culturally interesting, plus it's a short book. Um yeah, I really recommend giving it a read if that's something that you'd be interested in. Uh, I've had this on my list for a long time to read um, and I've really struggled to get into fiction this year. I wanted to download a really nice story and I ended up downloading like a really creepy murder book by accident, which is a story for another day. Um, And for some reason, I've just really struggled to get into fiction, but that sounds like a really nice way to do it because it's a little bit different, a little bit quirky. It's nice and short, but it feels like it'll give us an insight into someone else's life, which we all know we love. Um, yeah, and it is, it is such like a, it's kind of like a cult classic, isn't it? In, not a classic maybe, but like a, it's very well renowned um, mm. and has yeah. had really like really great praise for it. So I'm really curious to read it and see what it's like. Well, I have popped it in the post to you, so you can let me know what you think you? <laughs> yeah oh you cutie thank you oh well, I just finished it and it's there's no use it sitting on the shelf when I'm about to leave the UK so you can let me know what you think when it gets there <laughs> oh this is becoming a thing when you move countries you send me like a book <laughs> oh, so when you moved to Australia and you sent me the Dishoom um cookbook and it really threw me because it wasn't your handwriting, but it was written from you. And I couldn't, like, I was so confused. Your mum had written me a note from you, but she had handwritten it and it was just like the cutest thing. Well, I love nothing more than like a good book recommendation from a friend. Like I would yeah. happily just receive like secondhand books from people in the post. I love pre-loved books. And this book came from a, yeah. a charity shop as well. So it's had lots of love. I love that. I love that and I I kind of that's the only thing I don't I wish I could do with my Kindle is I can't when I love a book I can't pass it on to someone Mm. and that's like the only the only thing I don't like is that you can't like do that um oh I'm really excited okay that's gonna be my next book I won't download it on my Kindle today then (laughs) that's why I wanted to tell you because I was like I can't recommend it and then be like and then you go ahead and download it (laughs) you got two copies I love that you knew I would I would do it tonight and read and be like oh my god I love this and then it will turn up on my doorstep tomorrow Uh, yeah (sighs) um should we move on to the sixth topic for this week's episode we wanted to have a conversation asking for help and how it's actually a real strength to identify when you need help and asking for it 
And despite what we might have all had ingrained into us, it's actually not a weakness to say that you can't do something or you don't know and you need some support, whether that's in a work setting, whether that's at home, whether it's with your mental or physical health, um, maybe it's advice on money. Like there's so many different ways you can ask for help. And the past couple of years have obviously like thrown a spanner in the works for everyone. It's turned our lives upside down. It's definitely accelerated us changing some societal norms far quicker than I think we would have otherwise and one of those things is that it has become a bit more acceptable to go I'm struggling or I need some help so we want to have a conversation about it this week and kind of address why it's so important and why we need to normalize it so we don't lose the momentum yeah I think there's always been that stigma around asking for help hasn't there whether that is in terms of asking for help with your mental health or asking for help with your workload or even turning to family or friends for support I think we live in a society that kind of prides strength and power and like being independent and showing your authority and because of that it's almost been taught to us that it's like weak or makes us lesser than mm. if we ask for help and that's just obviously just not true but I think you're right the pandemic has like it's normalized it a bit more because we've all had this shared experience of mental strain and anxiety. And mm. I do really, really hope that that, that that continues at the end of the day, because I mean, it's, it sets a, I don't want to say it sets a precedent, but it does kind of, because it's normalizing mm. that asking for help and opening up a conversation, especially when it does come to mental health and removing that stigma. I think the pandemic has meant more people have had a really difficult experience over the last couple of years and hopefully I don't know maybe this is a like small positive that has come from the pandemic that maybe we feel like we can turn to other people more because we know that there's a shared experience there totally and I think we kind of we do get told that it's almost weak to ask for help but we also can't do it all like we can't all be experts and everything we don't know all the answers and I think one of the brilliant things about being part of any community and being part of the type of society we live in is that there are people who have different strengths to you and that mm. could be like as small as like when you're in the gym and you don't know how to use a piece of equipment like asking someone to show you or it could be so much bigger and being like right I, I need to reach out and get help for my mental or physical health or something um but we're surrounded by people who can support us and who are experts and stuff that we know nothing about and that's a huge asset and I think when you start viewing asking for help as um, almost making the most of the assets around you rather than a weakness within yourself it's really empowering and it sets a brilliant example whether that's among your friends among like your family particularly if you have other family members who are a bit younger around you or in a work setting I think it creates a culture where it's totally okay to go, oh, actually, I don't really know what I'm doing. Can you help me? Or God, I'm really overwhelmed. Please, can you help me? And then it gets reciprocated back and it's a much more compassionate way for us all to be. Yeah, I think as soon as you have that kind of setting of an example that it is okay to ask for help, it makes such a difference. And I think also on another level, sharing with others can really strengthen bonds as well like it's mm. kind of mm. between friends partners like family whoever it might be I think it's it is a kind of 
showing of trust, isn't it? And also that mutual sharing. When there is that mutual sharing, it strengthens a friendship group or a relationship. And that it has that ripple effect, doesn't it? That if you've asked for help and you've got that feeling of support and like mutual understanding in a group or with your partner or whatever, it's more encouraging for them to go out and do the same thing. And it it has that effect further further afield and I think that that is really how we're going to see change and I'm not saying it's going to happen quickly definitely not but I think that that's a really important part of asking for help and again normalizing it it's far easier as well to respect someone who goes especially someone who's in more of like a senior position of you or like the dynamics is slightly different to go oh yeah I really respect you saying you don't know the answer and you don't know how and you need my help because I would always rather someone mm. say I need help and then they can and we like then they can be supported and we can do it right and we can do it in a way that's right for them rather than kind of like struggling through and making it harder and ultimately like there are so many things where if you don't ask for help and you don't know the answer you're going to end up in a situation where it's worse or you might be injured or you might be embarrassed. You might embarrass other team members. You might let people down because the short-term impact of going, oh God, I need help. That initial maybe like embarrassment or that like vulnerability, like I think Brené Brown calls them vulnerability hangovers, which I love. Um, That kind of feeling, it's really unsettling, but that is nowhere near as bad as when you kind of carry on as if you can do it all and you know the answers and then it goes wrong because then you have to admit not only that you needed help, but you also didn't ask for help. And that's just an ego thing. Mm. Yeah. I think that's so important to say that not sharing and not asking for help does not make you any stronger, like coping with it alone Mm. and just getting on with it. It doesn't make you a stronger or a better person. And like you said, it's more likely to lead to more significant problems further down the line, whether that is, mental health problems whether that is really coping with your workload or whether it is just burying your head in the sand about an issue with I don't know money or relationships whatever it might be and I I do think that that vulnerability can can be a strength and like you said it's it builds respect it can build trust it sets that precedent I think it's we need to get rid of this idea that like getting just getting on with it and coping with it alone to kind of prove your strength and independence is it's not a show of strength at all I really agree we almost look at strength in the wrong way we're like oh someone who just gets up does it gets on with it like they never stop they're infallible is seen as strong and to an element yes there is strength in that of course there is but I think it takes a lot more strength to turn around and almost expose yourself a bit and go god I don't know I really need some help here. And if you, I always think like, if you don't, if you need help in that moment, what's going to change all of a sudden overnight for you not to need that help? Like, of course, there are some things you can go and learn about yourself and research, but often that takes a lot of time as well. If you're not going to ask for help, you're not going to seek out that help. What's going to suddenly change where you know how to do something or it's going to be much easier or you're going to do it right and you're not going to get hurt. Like nothing. You actually have to make the change. And even from like an efficiency point of view, it's so much 
easier to go to someone as much quicker to go to someone who you respect and who you trust like and there's a really important part there about finding people who you can trust um and saying I need help here like please can I have your advice or what would you do in this situation or where did you go to learn about x or y um you don't need them to solve it for you but I think there's asking for help can also be getting guidance and like direction on how you approach something oh yeah like I absolutely I absolutely agree with that and I think as part of that you don't need to disclose everything if you're not comfortable like asking for help can be as simple as saying I'm struggling please can we talk this through or just saying I'm struggling I just wanted to let you know or if you're at work it could be like I'm, I'm going through something at the moment or I'm struggling with this could you help me with this task or this workload this situation what whatever it might be and I think especially when it comes to work problems and asking for help it can really indicate like your interest or your willingness to understand more yeah more in a in a subject or your job and asking for help can really show that you're engaged with your job and it's that can be a positive thing for new growth opportunities and I also think especially in that kind of situation what's like what's less painful asking for help or like potentially messing it up further down the line because you've not asked for help I know that's like a really harsh judgment to make but is it more painful for you to ask for help or is it going to be more painful when things have gone really wrong and you have to hold your hands up then yeah and then that's also just as embarrassing and you have to be just as vulnerable and it's just as kind of confronting the only thing is then you I guess it's like you've you've not owned the fact that you need the help it's like so many things Mm. if you own it you can kind of just go okay I need help on this and in the most like like in the most compassionate way people don't care like if you ask for help if someone asks me for help I'm not judging them thinking oh my god as if they can't do this I'm thinking oh cool they've come to me that's not a thought that's then occupying my mind like everyone is too busy in their own lives and getting on with their own things and worrying about the things that they can't do to spend any time judging you when you ask for help and if the people are judging you that's a reflection on them I feel like we say this all the time but that's them that's their problem um there will be plenty of people around who are willing to help you who are even if it's like just someone to listen and you don't need to you don't need them to solve the problem or you don't need their help to manage the situation. I think there's real value in just saying to someone going, do you know what? I really need help with this and I don't know what to do. And having someone go, okay, that's fine. How can I help you? Or do you just want me to listen? Like it sets a really brilliant example, but it normalizes it. And then you also create a relationship where if someone can come to you and say that, then you can go to them and say that it's like a what's the word it's reciprocal isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's really interesting what you're saying there and about kind of owning that because Mm -hmm. a lot of people see asking for help as kind of letting go of the control that they have but I actually feel like it's a really powerful statement of control to say I need help and I'm reaching out to find it like like you said that whole owning owning the problem or owning if you've messed up or owning if you've if you're not sure how to do something that's you taking control and ownership of the situation and I think you can do far more with it then it's almost like being proactive rather than reactive after it's already gone wrong and 
you you kind of limited totally. in what damage control you can do really agree and when it all goes wrong you never really know how wrong it's going to go mm. like it might go really wrong and at that point especially if it's something that actually maybe isn't as complicated as you think it will be or it's not as difficult as you think it'll be I think most people can relate to that feeling of being like oh god no it's fine I won't ask for help and then someone gives you the answer and you're like oh as if it would have been that straightforward or as if it would have like prevented all of this like we've all been there haven't we um but kind of being upfront about it and being like no I don't know what would you do or I actually need some help with this I think it just it can avoid a lot of stress like and if yeah if someone's not going to respect you for that that's on them um that's got nothing to do with you like there will be people who really respect that approach mm-hmm. I, th- I always hate to like pull in on um like sayings and things like that but the whole a problem shared is a problem halved and there's a reason yeah. that these things are say like they're they're kind of popular sayings because whether it is mental health whether it is a problem at work whether it is something within your relationship or to do with finances if you're sharing that with someone like it's so easy to catastrophize in your own head but being able to talk things through it does genuine genuinely remove a bit of weight from your shoulders why can't I speak oh for sure (laughs) like I just think it's so and, I, and I'm not saying it's it's easy. I totally appreciate how difficult it is to be open and to to ask mm. for help. It is mm. it is difficult putting yourself in a vulnerable situation, but I think it's especially important for I don't women in the workplace, for mm. men and mental mm. health. I think there's a lot of at risk groups in society who. Yeah really can benefit from asking for help but it is very stigmatized particularly for them yeah I really agree especially in the point of young men and their mental health like like suicide is the biggest killer of young men and whenever you hear that statistic I just think god like how can we facilitate an environment where asking for help is more acceptable or at least it's not judged um and encourage Mm -hmm. people to come forward and speak to people because no one's in those situations I just think it's so isolating when you feel like you're the only one and you don't know where to turn and as soon as you are honest and you confide in someone the weight that is lifted off your shoulders just by just by being honest and Mm. showing up as yourself like it is incredible And I think we have kind of all been a bit conditioned, men and women, to kind of, when you're struggling with your mental health, to think, oh God, no one's going to care or people are going to talk about me or people are going to judge me or they're not going to trust me to do my job well or my friends are going to think they can't come to me. All of these different things. And it's exactly what you just said. You catastrophize in your own mind because that's like what the human mind does. But I have been honest about certain things in my mental health to a very wide range of people over the years and I have never and I know I'm very fortunate for this but also I have never encountered any negativity I've only ever encountered compassion and concern and Mm -hmm. that can be from like saying I'm really 
struggling today my mind's not with it or saying I'm having a panic attack I actually need to leave the room um because people care and I think flip it on its head like if someone around you is really struggling and they come to you you're going to care and you're going to be compassionate um and it makes it makes literally the world of difference Mm -hmm. and I think in terms of that like people care but also I think Mm. there are a lot of people who have who have or are suffering the exact same thing and they haven't spoken up and you probably don't even realize like I think I think especially like back to when I was working in an office and I was really struggling and there were times when I had to leave the room or I had to make adaptations to my day because I was struggling the amount of people that I spoke to who said I have felt the same or I feel the same Mm. and like I know what you're going through there's there's no judgment there I think there is so many more people struggling with mental health issues that and we don't even realize because there is a stigma that we should feel ashamed as soon as we remove that shame yeah. and start making it an open conversation you'll realize how many people around you have have experienced similar and how much support yeah. there is yeah and just confiding in someone can make such a difference and I think we it's that really like it's that double-edged sword isn't it of not only is there a really negative stigma around mental health but there's also the world is full of very high functioning people who have real mental health battles whether that's with depression or anxiety or any other level of mental health problem there are so many people who are high functioning that we almost look at them and go well they can't possibly understand because Mm. they're they're perfect or they don't have these struggles because they perform so well they can't possibly know what it's like and that's just not the case like you can be high functioning and really struggling and when you ask for help people open up and go no I really get that that's horrendous and I'm really sorry you're going through that and just to know there's someone who cares like they mm. don't you don't have to ask for help with the expectation of someone solving all your problems or snapping their fingers and making it go away but I think it's just handy for people to know and I think there's I feel like we've gone off on quite a one about mental health and I think it's a different thing we should circle back to at some point but when I I and it, it is different but when I walk into a room or I start a new job or I'm with people I always tell people where my EpiPens are because I have a severe nut allergy that's just a fact about me it doesn't change my commitment to my job or how much I love my friends and family or how driven I am. But by people knowing that, they know how to react if something like goes wrong, although obviously we take steps to avoid that. And I think realizing the same with panic attacks, I kind of realized like if I tell someone I'm having a panic attack, I'm then not panicking about the fact that people are going to realize I'm having a panic attack. Like, and I'm fortunate, like I've I I haven't had one for a long time but owning it in the same way and kind of saying no I need your help in this situation because this is too much for me is really Mm. liberating it's easier said than done but it is very liberating yeah yeah it is easier said than done but that that first step is really the hardest I think when it comes to asking for help with anything and sharing it with people whether Mm -hmm. it is mental health or not I think that's the thing and once you've done it once it becomes a lot more normalized and a lot easier. And then, like we've said already, it it sets that precedent and encourages people yeah. to do the same. And hopefully that's how we make wider change like across the generations and 
as like the younger generations come into the workforce and, and more conversations around it in schools. And as these things happen, that's how that's how change happens. But yeah, we need to be part of it as well and part of that normalizing asking for help at, at any level. I really agree with you. We hope you've enjoyed this week's topic and that you found it helpful and maybe even inspiring to go and ask for help in some areas that you're struggling. We'd love to get your thoughts on this episode. So please do get in touch with us in the on on the contact details in the show notes. And next week's topic is all about finding your focus. So if you have any thoughts or questions about that, please don't hesitate to get in touch. And you can do that on our Instagram or on our email address. We will speak to you next time. But in the meantime, stay safe and we will speak to you next week. Bye. Bye. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.